Welcome to Tech Talks, the technology podcast with David Savage and Jack Pierce, publishing on Mondays and Thursdays. This is the show packed full of interviews and debate with technology leaders for the love of tech. Today's podcast sees us interview Neil Dunlop. He's the head of practice for Infinity Works in Leeds. But before that, hi Jack. Hi David. Uh, last weekend I went up to Lincoln. Oh. Okay. Very nice medieval city if you've ever been. Lovely Never cathedral. been. Never been. Lovely cathedral. Okay. Yeah. Um, on the Friday night in London, I bought two drinks. One was non-alcoholic. Cost me eleven pounds. Yes. Well, why are you surprised? A pint of beer is about... For, for both the drinks, not yeah. just the non-alcoholic drink? No, no. Right, okay, yeah, all right, let, that's it for yeah, yeah. Two drinks, 11 yeah. quid. Yeah, yeah. In Lincoln, yeah. a pint of Jennings, do you know where Jennings is from? No. Very nice brewer, uh, brewer from uh, the Lake District. Oh, okay, yeah, all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jennings, uh, pint of Jennings, £1.85. Yeah. Could have had a roast, two courses... £5.50. Shut up. Now, I appreciate that is cheap even for that region, but you kind of think, I could have a pint and two courses for the co- the collective price of about £8.40. Yeah. Or two drinks yeah. for 11 What the hell are we doing? That The disparity between uh, the North and the South is never bigger than when we're comparing alcohol prices, is it? Or food, it seems. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I mean that's ridiculous. £5.50. Oh, yeah, £5.50 is that's very, nuts. very cheap. You didn't have it, though? No. No. My mate, to be fair, said, it's not great. Uh, yeah, there's a good reason. <laughs> the fact that it's like... Oh, yeah. Could you find a roast Could you find a roast and a pudding in London for £5.50? No. no, I couldn't even go to Sainsbury's and get the ingredients for cheaper. Any listeners who, who, who live in London, if you do know of any particularly cheap Sunday roasts that you want to correct us on and say, actually, yeah. before you get all like, the South is so expensive. Um, <laughs> Great impression. Well, I don't know what it was an impression of. <laughs> it's a good one. Yeah. Well, I, was in, I was at a gig on Friday night in uh, the Union Chapel Church in Highbury uh, Islington, and you can't uh, watch the show and drink alcohol at the same time because it's in a church, so they've got a separate bar. Three bottles of beer in this sort of little bar in a church, but it was was it four pound fifty each for a bottle of beer? So it's just shy of thirteen fifty. It was the three bottles of beer that you couldn't even watch with the show. You had to neck it and then run down to your seat. Mental. That is a bit mental. I mean, there is a reason behind this, as you you will know, our <sighs> listeners. Our listeners at the minute will be slightly in the dark, but... Uh, oh, they're going on about the North Sound, difference in price again, what they're going on about. Well, listener. Infinity Works are a Leeds-based business. They've actually got offices in Leeds, now London, mm. Manchester, Edinburgh and Newcastle. Mm-hmm. So they are all over the North. Mm. Jason Alston, uh, of Sphinx, works for them now. He does, yes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they're all over the North, but this interview does talk a little bit about the North-South divide to a certain extent, what the North has to do to shout mm. about its successes a bit more. This podcast might be based in London, but sometimes it's nice to get out of uh, out into the shires, eh? Well, you, you, it's easier for you being from the North East uh, as an Essex boy. Still, I mean, I've been to Leeds a couple of days for work, but yeah, Nottingham's the only Northern city that I've truly explored so there's an ex-colleague here who I will remain nameless because I don't want to embarrass them once once said to me this is many years ago um, oh I uh, I think I went near Newcastle this weekend oh why is that 
oh, well, I was on the train for, for a good long time. Where did you go? I was in Bath. Oh, jeez. What made them think they were in Newcastle? Because they were on the train for a long time. And, you know, Jesus, you must, you must wow. be going north if you're on the train for a long time. <laughs> uh, could be further, actually. Could be further. Yeah, there we go. Anyway, so, um, look, this is Neil. He's telling us all about Infinity Works. Uh, stick with us. Afterwards, we'll obviously have the discussion about it and a couple of articles for you. So we're chatting to Neil. Thanks for coming onto the show. You're very welcome. Have you come down from Leeds, where you work for Infinity Works? That's right, yeah. You're head of the practice up there? I am, yes. Uh, now, I've, within Leeds, people are, are familiar with Infinity Works. Very much so. But this show does get listened to people in all sorts of very bizarre locations. We've had a, a, a peak in Mexico in the last couple of wow. weeks. They probably haven't heard of Infinity Works. <laughs> Highly unlikely, I'm really <laughs> honest. Uh, maybe, maybe I'd hope so, but no, it's not going to happen. So look, it'd be good to find out a little bit more about what you guys do and what your role is there. Yeah, sure. So um, I'm head of practice in Leeds. Um, Infinity Works is a, a tech consultancy uh, and we build uh, primarily software solutions to solve business problems for our customers. That covers all kinds of things. It can be organizational change. It can be uh, cloud-based services, an awful lot of that. Um, it can just be application development. Uh, everything that's required to, to solve business problems, primarily with tech, uh, and we'd like to have a, a, an ethos of openness and a quality delivery. So getting stuff done, being honest and open about it, basically. And the client base is a mixture of public services and betting and gaming companies and private businesses, uh, so. Yes, all of those things are in there. Um, yes, yeah, so a lot of public sector, a lot of private sector, um, and a, a healthy mix, really. Um, because of where the founders came from, uh, yeah, betting and gaming is definitely in there. The NHS is definitely in there. We've moved into finance quite a lot uh, in the last year. Yeah. Um, but lots of little niche projects as well. Um, how, how, how similar are the technical kind of challenges between those sectors, or is it closer than you'd think? Because you always think about technology being agnostic, right? Yeah. Um, I think the technology challenges are, are probably the same. They're all fighting the same kind of battles. Of, yeah. you know, I want to use modern technology, I want to use pragmatic technology to get the job done. So again, one of our big things is leading edge, not bleeding edge. You, know, you don't want the shiniest thing in the box. You want the thing that's proven to work, that, that teams can live with, that companies can live with. Um, so I think across the different sectors and the different clients, the technical challenge is probably the same. It, gets around to being a people and an organizational challenge very very quickly actually. Mm. The tech is almost the easy bit and when you start to get into organizational teams and organizations and business and whether they're building the right thing, um, that's the challenge. So building it right is usually fairly easy, building the right thing is a, a longer game. How many clients understand, I mean you'd think that people would get that now because everyone talks about it, it's actually a people thing, it's actually a culture thing but yeah. I imagine everyone still is still obviously coming to you because you're, you're a technical consultant. Yeah, um, um, very much so. I think the Everyone thinks, oh, well, I've designed the solution. Now I just need some help getting it done. So yeah. I need somebody to, to carry the heavy things. I've done all the visionary thinking. It's a classic Dilbert cartoon, isn't it? I've done the visionary thinking. Why does your bit take so long? <laughs> um, so I think a lot of clients start there and then they engage us with, I've got this thing. Can you just help me move it faster? Uh, and we'll, of course we do that. We often start there. Um, and then it moves into, well, actually... Uh, we need to skill up a team. We need to finish this thing, we'd actually skill up a team because we never want to be there forever, ever. Um, mm. We want to build long-term relationships and of course we want to be a trusted supplier, but we don't want to be there because we, we're forcing anyone to contract. So we have nice, simple contracts and we always have set objectives and we want clients to say, we want you to stick around. Our objective is always to skill up their team, help them solve a problem and then move on. You can't just arrive at a client site and say, oh, you're doing all this wrong. 
because nobody ever cheers the consultants that do that, do they? And no one goes, yay, here come the consultants. They're going to tell us everything. So you've got to earn your badges. You've got to do the basics. And then hopefully you, you build up that relationship of trust. And you can say, actually, guys, if I was going to do this, I'd do it slightly differently. And here's some practical advice about how you change that, how you define what you're building, how you think about what the business problem is you're solving. But it's always um, from a practical point of view. So yeah. We don't want to do white papers. We do give us a problem. We'll help you solve it. We'll do it together. And you'll understand why we solved it that way. And then you'll start to challenge your own thinking. We can help you with that as well. Whilst Christmas and New Year is rapidly becoming a distant memory, we're still at the beginning of, of 2019. Mm. It's... it's it's one of the tech industry's favourite things, isn't it, to try and kind of predict what's going to happen and lots of buzzwords get thrown around. But you're in this lucky position where you are talking to a number of different yeah. clients as a consultancy. Mm. What are the themes that you're, you're actually seeing through the work that you're doing? Yeah, it's, a, it's one of the reasons I joined the business, to be honest. You, you get to, as we say, peek behind the curtain of, of a lot of amazing businesses and you get to see what the real challenges are, never mind the, you know, the, the white paper by larger consulting companies that, yeah. that theorise what's happening. Um, Big one, top of the list, uh, probably not surprising, cloud services. You know, it, it's becoming uh, the done thing. We're seeing a, a massive increase in the adoption of cloud services, probably across all of our customers. Um, a lot of the adoption is, is div driven by key requirements. You know, I need a resilient system, I need a really flexible system, and I need to reduce costs. Mm -hmm. uh, and people are finding that they can adopt uh, cloud-based systems much more easily now. It's becoming uh, much more commoditized service you know uh, is that the same across all the regions because obviously whilst you're the head of practice in Leeds I mean yep. do you see the same trend in, in London Manchester Edinburgh absolutely yeah it, it is across all the regions actually all right. of our clients in all the regions have the same sort of requirements um, yeah, some are uh, further ahead of the curve than others but mm. nearly everyone we talk to now it's got that thing of I want it to be flexible I want it to be scalable but I don't want to, to stand up a whole team just to do this thing and agonize over it and the cloud providers out there have really got their game together and the offerings are really slick and it's easy to, to stand things up. It's easy to educate clients, teams uh, and get things done. Um, and I think that's going to continue. You know, we, we've done lots of cloud stuff last year. Lots and lots of cloud stuff is coming up. Um, you know, various different cloud providers uh, and a long, long conversations with them. Um, but it's really resonating with clients of just having that flexibility and be able to get stuff done really quickly. It's funny that you talk about cloud because you almost feel that cloud is less sexy now. You know, five years yeah. ago, everyone was excited about cloud and then the last thing. couple of years it was on-prem, off-prem and then everyone's now talking about blockchain or whatever else and it feels like we've moved on a little bit but actually yeah. people are still undertaking and expanding and, on cloud projects. And I think that's the thing is, is perhaps we're not really at the head of the hype cycle. You know, um, we're seeing a lot of clients uh, that, that have these systems that already work and they don't want to revolutionize them, they don't want to pull them to bits, they just want them to work a bit better and they want to evolve them. Mm. Uh, and moving to the cloud for, for a really successful business um, it can be a big scary thing. Some of these aren't tech businesses. You know, tech is a big part of what they do, but in their mind they're not a tech business. Uh, yeah. I want this cloud thing because it gives me flexibility and resilience and, and you know, lower cost. Um, but I don't want to devote lots of thinking, but it's got easier to do. So, so yeah, it's not, it's probably not sexy and cool, but that makes it way more mainstream and way mm. more uh, adoptable. You know, it, it's become a proper business tool and nearly everyone's getting into it. Now. There is a lot of hype and there is, you know, a lot of cutting edge technology around, mm. but do you find that a lot of organizations that you're dealing with just need to get the basics sorted? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Uh, it, and again, it sounds totally unsexy, but 
that thing of building the right thing and building it right, that quality engineering, quality delivery practices, it, it's probably where the majority of our time is spent uh, helping successful businesses just solve particular problems or improve their processes mm. or take the next step on that journey. They're, they're not looking to do this really sexy cutting edge thing because that's quite dangerous to them. They've got an established business and they just want to have a better in-house capability or they want to deliver the next thing on their strategic roadmap and they just need a bit of support and a bit of augmentation. When, when someone when someone starts having a conversation with you, it's probably because there's a bit of a mess yes. or they've got a headache and they don't know how to approach something. Absolutely. With a lot of these technologies, is it that they've tried to implement something and not thought about the basics or they're at the start of that journey and just want to get it right in the first in the first instance? Uh, it's a mix. Um, I think the majority are probably, we tried a thing uh, right. and it hasn't quite panned out as we'd hoped. Um, could you come in and do us a bit of an assessment to give us a, a frank assessment of where we are uh, and make some suggestions to how do we... How do we recover this? How do we move it forward? Um, and that's usually where it starts. And then it's usually, can, can you help us actually do some of these things practically? Because we would never just turn up and make those recommendations and go, good mm-hmm. luck with that, everybody. We'll walk away. You have to be able to, to walk the walk as well as talk the talk. And that being able to deliver, being pragmatic and getting things done is, is huge for us. So it often starts there. At, you know, give us some honest advice about where we might have gone wrong. Um, then help us fix it. And then that usually... When you fix those problems, they can then start to go, get back on plan and go, actually, the thing we were trying to really achieve is this bigger thing. Could you then help us with that? And in the process of doing that, could you skill up our people? One thing that I, I always find quite interesting, I've lived, in, I've lived in the southeast my entire adult life. Yes. I moved down to Essex for university, but I'm from Newcastle. And it's interesting talking to people who are still based up in the north because, you know, the world is fairly kind of focused in its view that the southeast is this kind of Thing that's got everything going on that mm. sucks the life out, out of the north of England. Um, but I've read some stuff where it's kind of people talking about, oh, but the north has got this advantage because actually it's quite this small community. And mm. I always think that ignores the obvious geographical challenges that the north has. The fact, you know, the Pennines are in the middle of half <laughs> that, of that it, separating yeah. several <laughs> of the cities. Um, you know, what, what opportunities does the north have where it can distinguish itself from the southeast and offer something different that can then help the industry as a whole? Um, so I'm a bit biased. I, I, <laughs> similar to yourself, apart from 10 years ago, I made the journey back north. So I'm from uh, Middlesbrough, of all places. Uh, I worked in uh, Reading in the southeast for about 10 years. Mm. And then 10 years ago, I thought, I'm going to move north, going to start a family. Um, so the north's got a lot going for it, you know. Um, the tech scene is is absolutely thriving right now. I mean, it, it's the acceleration and, and the number of companies that are moving to the area, the number of companies that are already there, things that are getting done are great. Um, it, it's a great place to live. Obviously, uh, house prices are a lot lower than the southeast, and, and we mm. see a lot of staff um, moving from, from London to the north. We still have some junior staff that, that are drawn by the bright lights of the southeast and everything's cooler in London, right? Yeah. So they go south. Um, they may come back north eventually. Um, but I think as a region, uh, it's doing really well. Um, it, it's got to take a few steps to, to really take advantage of stuff. Um, things like cross, cross-city collaborations. So, so Leeds is really strong and vibrant and, and there's a lot going on. The council are really involved in that kind of thing of, of growing the tech scene and there's huge tech businesses there. Um, Manchester's the same, so Manchester's growing hugely as well. There's a lot going on there. Um, there's still a little bit of a them and those culture. Um, there's a little bit sort of other side of the Pennines, boo hiss, uh, and you know they kind of they kind of got to get 
beyond that a little bit. Yeah. Uh, obviously, we've got offices in both places, so we're, we're trying to foster the same thing. Although it does happen with our teams, you know, healthy competition of we've, we've done a better event than you guys. Yeah. That's kind of fine. But I think from a, a regional development point of view, more collaboration would be great. Um, it's got to be said, a, a better rail line and better infrastructure. Yeah. Um, they are, in some cases, still using trains that were meant to go out of service 50 years ago. Um, and you want to be able to get between the major cities in North, not just Leeds and Manchester, but you know, Newcastle's there as well. There's lots going on. Um, and there's all the, all the towns on those rail lines. Um, that's got to be easier. It's got to be better. Um, you, know, you, you can drive to work. Well, that's still a challenge because both Leeds and Manchester are quite difficult places mm. to drive. And I can understand they're trying to drive cars out of those areas. There's got to be a, a good alternative. And I know both cities are working really hard at that, but it, it will become a problem. Do you, th- do you think the talent pools are there? Or, and, and if they are there, are they advertised well enough in terms of the technology still, skill sets? I, I was talking to an American recently who said, you know, actually you could do nearshoring if you're a, a London-based company because there's some great talent yeah. pools in some of these cities. But I suppose when you've got VC funding to the tune of five billion for the UK and four billion of it's going to London, yeah. then they're not really casting the horizons further. I, I do think that the North should shout more about its successes um even simple things like if you think about where all the great tech conferences are they're in the southeast yeah now uh, some some great tech businesses are in the north why isn't there a conference in the north why are we shouting about the talent that we've got you know why don't uh why don't we make better use of uh the supply of candidates so some great universities in the north mm. but the first thing on their mind is i'm going to move south i'm going to move to london because that's where the cool stuff happens so we're putting a lot of time and effort into, into building great candidates and it's not really on their radar to, to stay in the north because it's not seen as being as cool. But there is cool stuff going on. Absolutely, and we just need to shout about it more. I mean, we, we all get excited about blockchain and AI and, yeah. and AR and VR. I mean, are there practical examples? Absolutely. We, we did a survey recently, to put this in some context, where I think the stat is four in ten companies are seeing investment in the bottom line through AI. Have you got examples in the North where you go, here's an organization that definitely is delivering value from cutting edge technologies like AI? Yeah. Um, and when, you know, when we first talked about this, uh, I thought, oh, may, maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> but actually, um, absolutely there are. Um, and it, it's fairly obvious when I think about it. I mean, we've, we've worked with uh, Sainsbury's uh, retail um, on a, an, a, an AI project to, to help them build a new Nectar card offering, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that, that's huge. It, it makes uh, millions of recommendations, personalized recommendations every day um, to recommend products uh, to people based on their shopping habits. So instead of getting Nectar points, you get recommendations mm-hmm. uh, at discounted prices. Um, and that's a huge thing. I mean, that's, that's genuine frontline AI that touches the customer. So we've seen last year, a lot of companies were doing things with their back office around AI to, to streamline processes and, and help make their back offices processes quicker. Um, so maybe not replacing humans, but augmenting humans. So mm. taking some of the mundane jobs uh, and using AI to spot discrepancies on timesheets or invoices uh, and to make things more accurate and, and more safe and so they can move faster. But there still needs to be a human decision in there. Uh, and people are doing proof of concept stuff that maybe doesn't touch the customer. That was last year. Um, now, the thing that grabs the headline is is where AI touches the customer. Um, and we, we're definitely seeing that more this year. So obviously the Sainsbury's thing, um, 
you couldn't get any more close to the customer really. So we help them build a scalable data pipeline. Again, it's a cloud-based thing that's scalable and quick and does all the right things. It's really cost-effective. And it's moved out that AI and machine learning closer to their data scientists. So it's become less of a tech thing and more of a business proposition. Mm. Uh, so we're seeing more of that. But uh, other examples are um, sky betting and gaming. So, so they're using AI to set the odds on things you can bet on. Yeah. And it allows them to offer markets, as they would call them, to, to on a much wider range of events. Uh, and things where they would normally have to close the book essentially say no more bets uh, because they couldn't keep up. But because they've got AI, they can keep the book open longer. They can offer uh, prices on markets much longer into a horse race, for example, or they can offer uh, what they would call request a bet. So customers can say, I want this thing to happen, then that thing, then this thing, then that thing. Now, previously, that would require a trader to sit there and figure it all out. Um, they can do that on the fly now with AI, and they can, they can have that tailored bet for a person. Yeah. Um, so, you know, real impact on, on a real customer and, and things that they wouldn't be able to do without AI. You know, they can look at all of the history, they can look at all of the events, uh, all the things that are happening in a football match, and tailor that and make a really accurate price prediction yeah. and get that out there and sort of serve their customers better. Well, look, Neil, thanks for coming in and sharing some insight from InfinityWorks and, 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 and some of the projects that you guys are working on. And it's good to hear that the Northeast, sorry, not the, the Northeast, but the North more generally. A <laughs> little bit of bias there. Yeah, a small amount of bias. <laughs> Has some really cool projects going on. Hopefully that'll attract more investment into the region, but uh, good luck for the year ahead. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Before we um, get onto the whole North-South thing, right? Yes. And we should probably mention East-West as well with the uh, boo hiss between Leeds and Manchester. And also, the West Country. They're not, they don't consider themselves as suburbs, do they? Bristol and Wester. Oh, that's a whole different thing. That's I mean, a whole different thing. Culturally, I yeah. would say they're more akin to the North yeah, than the yeah, South East. Yeah, 100%. 100% yes. I agree with you there. Anyway, well, <laughs> someone might, might well disagree with us. That's for another pod. Um, yeah, Cloud. Go. Look. Um, whenever you actually have a look at the amount of um, investment going into technology over the next 12 months, mm. AI is is always around there, yeah, fine. But cloud is always right up towards the top of that list, if not top of the list. Well, And you kind of think, really? <laughs> really? Well, we think, really, yeah. And that's the yeah. point of this interview, right? Yeah. yeah. And I still think, actually, we get... Um, we get a little bit carried away with ourselves to think that it's 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 so last year, even in the southeast. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I love the point that Neil makes that there's a lot of businesses that don't consider themselves tech businesses, and the, the cloud thing. Right? Yeah. He says cloud thing, and I think that's probably the attitude, yeah. and that they're not trying to revolutionise and tear up what they've already got in terms of their estate, but they do want to evolve, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I love that that line that we're not at the head of the hype cycle. That's that it, actually yeah. is a really positive thing for Infinity Works. Yeah, I mean I think you touched on it there, like you and you and me both, we you know we talk to the people on the precipice of the next tech advancement and stuff like that. And he even says they need to be cutting edge, not bleeding edge, you know, they need to it's almost sort of rolling the wheel back a bit. But there are gonna be plenty of businesses out there that are not reaching their and here comes the air quotes digital destinies right they're not on that path to true digitalization as you know the majority of private sector is and public sector hopefully one day johnny hugel if you're listening i know you're doing your best there and um, but we do take that for granted you know my girlfriend works for a cloud-based company and they're still at this moment working with some of the big banks to get them fully on the cloud and you know some businesses that have got millions of pounds uh, i think the interesting learning here right is that 
if you were an entrepreneur looking at starting a business in technology, mm. um, obviously uh, Reham's doing well with, with Mivitech, but yeah. she goes to conferences and people are apologising for using the <laughs> yeah. blockchain, yeah. which makes, it makes the sales process harder, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and and she, she described that in the way that she was having to kind of think about positioning with various different stakeholders, HR, et cetera, yeah. in the business yeah. and whether or not people are scared of it or not. Mm. Cloud, it might seem a little bit unsexy at times, but it's still a lot of organizations that want to be a bit more flexible. They yeah. want to they want to uh, make efficiencies in their business. Actually, the money to grow a business quickly, if you're going to start a new tech business, bleeding edge, yeah. maybe not, cutting edge, like you just said, absolutely the place to be to actually have a profitable, successful business that's a little bit... Um, I suppose less risk averse. I think, like, and I don't mean that negatively. No, 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 no. But I think where where I'm coming from, and before I did this show, and before I joined, moved to London and all that, I knew what AI, what AI was. Didn't know what cloud was. So I think there's like the market's jumped ahead so far that it is leaving people behind with regards to cloud and fully understanding what the cloud is and utilizing it. If you rock up to some, let's say. Uh, Braintree Council and they're not on the cloud yet they're going to look at you as if you're going to be giving them more risk than you yeah. than, than they've already got so I think a lot more needs to be done around understanding realising and utilising the cloud which is what Infinity Works clearly are doing and as we've spoken about many times in this podcast there's a lot of pressure to be investing in blockchain AI yeah, etc yeah. but actually a lot of organisations they just need to get yeah. stuff done and if you can if you can kind of give them a solution that allows them to get stuff done, yeah. you'll always have a place in the market. And guess what? They'll probably come back to you and say, look, you helped us you know, get into the 21st century with that. Now we need your help again. You know, you've, mm. you've set us up. Yeah, I mean, what, what, what it sounds like the Infinity Works are doing is they're very agnostic. They're very driven. I mean, he says that a few times, you know, delivery is key to them. Um, but yeah, no, I really like it. Um, I also, <clears throat> look, I obviously want to talk a little bit about the whole North-South thing. Of course you do. Being from the northeast, being from Newcastle, you know it's a personal kind of soapbox. <laughs> um, but look, I can totally relate to that whole scenario. And what I actually find really interesting—not to bang on the cliche, right—I am thirty-four years old. Mm-hmm. I have spent sixteen years of my life in the southeast. I spent eighteen years of my life in the northeast. Pretty much right? half and half. Yeah, yeah. I moved to the southeast for university. And my attitude when I graduated was, there are no jobs back home. I've got to move to London. And listening to Neil, you know, and he's he's talking about the fact that they've got great universities in the north, so even closer to home, they're building great talent pools, great candidates, but they don't shout about their successes. And those students, you know, 13 years on from the situation I found myself in, it sounds like nothing's changed. I think... And I don't know whether this is the, and I don't need to take aim at anybody here, whether it's the fault of the business, whether it's the fault of sometimes recruiters or what, but why do we, not, why has it taken me, especially, this interview to hear about Sky, uh, the request to bet stuff by AIs being used in Skybet in Leeds or whatever, you know? Why are we now only finding out that they're working with Sainsbury's to augment in AI the next car experience? You know, you need to be. And, you know, you see a job description or you see an advert on LinkedIn It's like, my client is working on a really exciting new tech, apply today. We need to be more honest and we need to be more transparent in order for everyone to get on the same page. Because, like you said, this stuff is going on in the North. Mm. We need a more, uh, a, a 
beaconing vocal voice of the North. And, you know, Andy Burnham and such are doing a good job to try and progress the North as, I don't want to say it, the Northern powerhouse. Well, look, on that point, though, um, we've got uh, Transport for Greater Manchester yep. coming up on the podcast in a few weeks' time. We've uh, recorded an interview with the head of IT. Uh, and spoiler alert, <laughs> what I found really interesting, and I had no idea, to be perfectly honest, mm. London is the only uh, transport hub where it controls all of those modes of transport. So right. buses, trains, yep. cars, you know, the roads, etc., etc., etc. So obviously that would appear to be the obvious thing that you would need to do mm. to create good infrastructure. Yeah. In Manchester, Transport for Greater Manchester, it's the road signals and trams, but it's not the buses and trains. So you can only do half a job. And yeah. I'll be perfectly frank, um, Haley's my wife, as we've mentioned before, is from Salford. A lot of her friends are still in Manchester, so a lot of our family friends are in Manchester. Mm-hmm. It's a pain in the arse getting around Manchester. Driving in particular, it's just a big traffic jam. So I think it, it needs to be connected better. You know, we've spoke about that on the past before. I forget what show, but you know, if you're not, in Manchester, not, and you not want to just go... connected better between the cities, better internally as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just yeah, within themselves. But I mean. We can we can be in our office on Monday morning, and we can be in either the Excel Arena at the um, at the London City Airport. We can be at the Here East. We can be at Old Street. We can be at all these really cool, funky places where stuff's happening within an hour yeah. max. Now, if you're in Leeds and you want to get over to Manchester for an event in the evening, it's going to be a ball ache. Yeah, and you know how can they? How can the North be as connected as us in the South, our communities in London, when there is that? You know, it's a right nutsack ball ache to travel across the the country. And and I suppose the other thing, and it might sound flippant, right, to someone like yourself. Yes. If I talk about Manchester and Leeds, you'll immediately think of football, right? Of course, in always. In terms of that rivalry, naturally, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that rivalry does kind of exists there is there is an east-west divide still culturally across the Pennines um, was it Yorkshire versus Lancashire is that yeah it ste- and it stems back through history right yeah you know, well, it's like Rose Southampton is. and Portsmouth as well you know that rivalry is football but it goes back to the war but they're, they're ste- yeah it's deeper yeah, like, yeah. and you do have this physical barrier of <laughs> slight physical barrier I guess hills yeah. Yeah. in the middle of it so I do think there are physical challenges there, both yeah. geographical and with infrastructure. And Neil articulates that, and the state of some of those trains, I'll be perfectly honest, the ones that he's referring to, um, they literally put um, the the shell of buses on top of stuff that was running on rails. It's terrible. They, they should have been out of action years ago. Um, but it's more than that. It's a mentality thing. Quite clearly, the region has a lot of success stories. Yeah. They're not talking about them. They're not advertising. They're not putting <coughs> themselves in the shop window to mm. the talent that they're producing. And mm. until they do that, mm-hmm. there will be someone graduating from university this year, making the trek to, the, to, to London, like I did, mm-hmm. who will probably sit there 15 years later and go, wow, well, nothing's changed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it needs better connectivity. It needs more examples of success. And, you know, that takes a collegiate mindset. Yeah. Anyway, I, I hope that wasn't too sideboxy and it was a bit more constructive than it might have been. Yeah, it was balanced, Dave. You didn't um, didn't offend anyone up north this week. So. No, I'm, I'm Usually not you like offending the Yorkshire lot, didn't you? Uh, I'm not really, yeah. Yeah, you do. As far as I'm concerned, I married a southerner, so. Oh, she hates that, doesn't she? Oh, yeah. Uh, right, <laughs> we'll go to our advert break. Uh, stay with the show. Afterwards, we'll have a couple of articles. Farewell, but not goodbye. Do you know what that is? No. Bobby Robson's autobiography. All the better 
read by Bobby Robson. No way. Yeah. What a legend of the game he was. Exactly. It's a great book to read, but listening to Bobby Robson, talking you through his life, that's special. Exactly. My choice is uh, The Sisters Brothers, which is a film starring Jake Gyllenhaal and John C. Riley that has been released worldwide apart from in the UK. So I'm going to listen to the audiobook. If anyone's wondering why we've suddenly started talking about books, it's because if you head over to audible.co.uk forward slash tech talks, you can get a free month's trial there, courtesy of your favourite technology podcast. Get listening. Welcome to part two of Tech Talks. Yes. I think it's your turn. Okay. Um, now, when I started reading this article, it seemed as though it was a bit of a scare tactic. By the time I'd finished it and then read something else, kind of was, wasn't as worried. Um, so this is the news that Reddit users rally against Chinese censorship after the site receives $150 million of reported investment, uh, as reported by Tara Law in Time. Sorry, the investment is coming from China? The investment is coming from a Chinese company called Tencent, uh, right, yeah. who will invest 150 Tencent also own Riot Games and a bit of Snapchat and a bit of this and a bit of that. Um, so what Reddit, <laughs> in classic Redditor bite back fashion, Reddit has expressed fear about censorship and shared a lot of Winnie the Pooh and Tiananmen, I can never pronounce that correctly, Tiananmen square pictures. Tiananmen? Yeah, yeah, Tiananmen square pictures. So, I don't know if you know this, but... Winnie the Pooh? Winnie the Pooh was banned in China because... No idea. Let me read it exactly to you. Um, Winnie, Reddit is now funded by the Chinese investors, so let's remember that President Xi Jinping is so insecure that a meme... That in its own secure in a meme that he banned Winnie the Pooh nationwide because he slightly was perceived to look like Winnie the Pooh. So now Winnie the Pooh has been banned oh, no, no, from no, no, China. No. no, he does not look like Winnie the Pooh. That's offensive to Winnie yeah, the Pooh. Yeah, Winnie the Pooh is a warm, kind, gentle soul that does not believe in grading people. Just, yes, absolutely not. <laughs> uh, just as an aside, I, I watched the new Christopher Robin film with Ewan McGregor. Oh, okay. Loved it. Yeah? Well worth a watch. Yeah, I mean, I'll watch anything with you and McGregor. Bit of, bit of cuddliness, quite yeah. literally, kind of, you know, don't expect great cinema, but if you just want a nice cheery afternoon film on a weekend. That's a good one. Perfect. See, Paddington is meant to be like, oh, Paddington 2, I haven't seen it, but it's I've meant seen to be the one first, of the best the second, films ever. Right? It's yeah. like, my dad was crying, and this is a bricklayer from Deep Dark Essex, you know, like man's man, and even he was in bits of it. It's probably because he can relate to the, the, the bear from Deepest Darkest Brew. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, so, basically, so I, I was worried. Reddit is my favourite website ever, and as it's self-dubbed, it is the front page of the internet. Like, yeah. I go to Reddit for my articles that we talk about every week. Um, but I did a bit more digging, and I, I looked up, well, how much is $150 million worth to Reddit? Uh at the time of um, Tencent uh, investing that money, Reddit was valued at $2.7 billion. So you've got nothing to worry about there, Reddit users. Um, and then people are worried about the censorship, you know, obviously Winnie the Pooh and Tiananmen Square. Uh, so I dug around again, and that same company, Tencent, owns a larger stake in Spotify than they do Reddit. Um, the only form of censorship, in air quotes, is... Um, that they have done and that they have pushed out is the fact that they banned Alex Jones from Spotify. That's all they've done to uh, censor stuff. And Alex Jones is a disgusting, vitriolic man who deserves to be banned from absolutely everything. I mean, look, um, 
we all have our concerns about the way China is approaching technology. Absolutely. I, I think it would be a monumental PR clusterfuck for them to uh, start banning things in Western markets Wouldn't when they're it? desperately trying to legitimize themselves yeah. in the face of the onslaught that's being unleashed at, the, at them through the likes of Huawei at the minute yeah. in, in the US and Canada and so on. So I would rest easy in yeah. some regard yeah. that you're not going to be restricted in your use. But if those... If <laughs> they those, creep it it's, it's a challenging one, right? Because I have a Chinese phone and it's yes. a brilliant phone. Yes. But... Do, how comfortable am I actually with the fact that those if those companies are profitable and being legitimised? Well, did you hear what the the CEO chairman of Huawei said the other day? Um, so they were talking about like you know getting into the east and west and so on and so forth. And he said, look, no matter what happens, it's my way or the Huawei. I mean, but how many companies? Not at that. Yeah, it is funny. <laughs> uh, but how many how many companies who make phones though are you know let's face it ethically nice companies? I mean, are, are Apple? None. I don't no, of course not. Of course not. Don't they get like a Bangladeshi children to assemble their phones, right? I've no idea. Oh, we are. Look, I'm surprised we've got this Alleged, far about a lawsuit so far. So yeah, let's. Allegedly. Can we talk about your article now, Dave. Just, just before. <laughs> but my point was that Reddit is this um, beautiful Valhalla of just content, and it's not going to change people. So here's something. Here's something to the listeners. Then uh, look, I've got a Huawei. Um, I will need to renew it at some point later this year. Mm. Which company should I get a phone from if I want a socially responsible moral. tech yeah. uh, phone? What is the most moral phone Dave can buy? What phone would dot everyone get behind? Yes. What phone would Buffalo Grid get behind? There you go. Exactly. What phone are you using? Let's let's ask, let's ask him. All the moral people we've got on the show, let's ask them what phones they've got. Probably iPhones. Yeah, because they know what's up. <laughs> right. Uh, my article is from the next web. It's Ooh. by Matthew Beedham. It's actually uh, a start of the week roundup. Okay. Um, Always good for a Thursday show. Yeah, peel back the curtain. It's, it's, it's Monday. <laughs> we had, had to record a little early. Um, okay. I don't know why I was doing the action of peeling back the curtain. <laughs> Visual cues. Just for you. Just for me. Um, uh, Google Play Store has been caught hosting a malicious app that poses as MetaMask and looks to steal users' cryptocurrency. I thought Google Plus was dead now. No, 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 Google Play. Oh, Play, sorry, big button. So, right, so, right. so the Android version of the App Store. Oh, jeez, Louise. Yeah, yeah. The app, which has been uncovered by security researchers at ESET, is the first Clipper, um, and that's in, that is in speech marks, Clipper malware, to be found on the Play Store. Clippers are sneaky little things. When the user isn't looking, they replace content on the device's uh, clipboard with illicit, oh, sorry, for illicit gain. So when you copy that long string of random characters, which you will do, to send Bitcoin to your friend, the app will recognise it's a Bitcoin address and change it to one belonging to the attacker's wallet. Wow. According to ESET, it's the first time um, it's seen cryptocurrency malware of this type on the Play Store. Guess it's just another one we have to add to the list. And look, there's always been... Uh, more concern over the fact that the, the the Play Store is a little bit less secure than the App Store. Mm-hmm. But I thought it, on two fronts, it was a uh, that was always in its benefit, though, right? But the fact that you could get lots of different apps. Yeah, and stuff, it's it's, it. a, it's a reminder to um, anyone with an Android phone, myself included, to actually have a look at some reviews and and make sure that the apps that you're downloading on your phone are trusted, <coughs> because it's an inc- because this also highlights the second point, which is it's an increasingly common 
uh, mode of attack for yeah. hackers now to get personal details is to basically fish through the use of fake apps and, and malicious apps. And here's one that's stealing people's Bitcoin. Not that I have any Bitcoin. Yeah, who's got Bitcoin left now, right? Uh, but I thought I thought it was quite intri- intriguing. Yeah, no, I mean... Bit of a public service announcement. I do, I, I, I mean, it is always a worry, but I do always like it when there's new threats, you know, it shows... <laughs> you do? Well, no, it's just like the hackers, it, the hackers are just showing us that regulation can do more. Like, that's, that's the best thing about this for me, is that hackers are so far ahead of the curve. Why can't we do what they did in... Um, the Leo DiCaprio, Tom Hanks film, Catch Me If You Can. Spoiler warning if you haven't watched Catch Me If You Can. It's quite an old film now. It's quite an old film now, I imagine it's it. But why can't we just employ the hackers and pay them fortune to stop yeah. this stuff happening? But then why would they do that? They're hackers. So I, d- I don't feel guilty telling people uh, that in Planet of the Apes, Charlton Heston's on Earth all along. You, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, you would worry about that. So, sorry if I've just... Or that, for <laughs> or that he's talking to ghosts in Sixth Sense. You know, that's, that's a fine one to give away. How many films can we ruin in 30 seconds on the podcast for people? Uh, okay, um, Usual Suspects. That's the whole story up. That's <laughs> <laughs> what it is said. Anyway. Scarface gets shot in the back at the end. Going on. Uh, I don't know. To be honest, at some, some point, I'm like... My mum and dad don't even know how to find the App Store uh, well, or the Play Store, so yeah. they're probably safe. But anyway, till we talk to people on um, on on Monday, just work, yeah, yeah, because yeah. this is Thursday yeah. show. Thought we were like the show already. Uh, until then, have a have a lovely, lovely weekend. And um, no, it's Monday. No, this is Thursday show. Oh, uh, yeah, shit. Have a lovely weekend. <laughs> <laughs> we do we do we show one error that we make on the show. This week, and then the next show is just laden with them. <laughs> I'm just gonna go sit in the dark. <laughs>